Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On Friday's edition of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, we address a fan's question about Matt Canada and talk more about what he could do, if anything, this year to keep his job after this season as the Steelers offensive coordinator. That and Pirates Talk here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're here talking all things Pittsburgh sports. We'll also have some baseball talk later on here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Um, again, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Thanks again for t- tuning into this show. You can find this show on all your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily uh, episodes from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But remember, this show is Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And this show is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. You can schedule a free in-home consultation with your Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Just give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project. Furthermore, on them later. Brian Batko joins us, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers. I'm and- ready for the MLB All-Star break with this old Ken Griffey hat, Chris. I busted I this see- out of the closet. I was wondering what that I was from wondering the 94 what that All-Star game in Pittsburgh. It says Does Griffey, that say holy Griffey, cow. Hol- holy cow. I mean, I mean, he was a holy cow type of player. We saw a lot of great plays with him over over the years. I, think I was like three years old when the when the All-Star game came here. So I guess my mom must have grabbed this one for me. But yeah, this is just uh, <laughs> Just an epic giveaway hat. So I'm in the baseball spirit at the moment. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. That was a, that was a while. As in, it came. It came. It came once for Three Rivers and once for PNC Park in like what, like 2009 ish. I think. Yeah. Was. I was. I was there when it was at PNC Park too, uh, and they had like the home run derby here and everything. And I think like the jerseys were yellow. I remember that. It might have been a little mm-hmm. earlier than 09, but yeah, good times. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what Jason has to say about the All Star break too. Certainly, we'll see about that. But let's get into a question that you got in your mailbag that you weren't able to get to, but we're going to get to it right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. This question comes from Judd W., who also who came in with the question, and we had to shorten it up so it could fit on the ticker here. But we'll get to the gist of his question. It's about Matt Canada. He says, as Canada and the younger offensive weapons are progressing, he wonders whether the, they will be outmatched. In other words, in a precision timing, well-executed offensive schema, 
can this can the Steelers offense? Uh, excuse me, because I got because I guess it cut off there a little bit on on the ticker there. Um, Basically, can, can, the, can the Steelers hold their own with their personnel? Hold their own. Hold, hold their, yes. Yeah, can, so can thanks, to, yeah, thanks to Judd, longtime reader, uh, chatter. Like you said, Chris, I'm, you know, the, the print online written mailbag has gone away for a bit. I'm about to hit vacation in a few hours here, but uh, we figured we might as well do a little makeshift one here on the show. And, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were wondering about Matt Canada's ability to coordinate an offense in the NFL, but at the same time, I think there's still the lingering question of are the players good enough to uh, to execute whatever he might cook up? So it's you know it's one of those difficult questions to answer when you're not in the room and you don't know exactly what's getting planned behind closed doors and whether some of the issues last year with the offensive deficiencies were more scheme related if players weren't doing what they were supposed to do if the various quarterbacks that, that, that cycled through over these last couple of years working with Canada weren't a good fit for what he wanted to do. I think at the end of the day, you know, he didn't forget how to draw up football plays. Um, you know, yes, there's a difference between college and the NFL, but last I checked, both have 11 guys, both have five offensive linemen, both have two options to run or to pass. So, uh, if, if you know what you're doing and you understand scheme at one level, in theory, it should translate to the next. We know that it just hasn't worked out to this point for Canada, and that's why there is a ton of pressure on him going into year three, a, a third season that I, frankly, was somewhat surprised he got in the first place. I hear you on that. I felt like part of this, part of him stealing, or, or, or not stealing, but part of him staying with the Steelers was uh was was also related to you know what like this guy in his first year I don't think too many offensive coordinators were going to do much with that offense with uh, an off- offensive line that was featuring Kendrick Green as a starting center and then an old version of Ben Roethlisberger last year it took a lot for that offense to even just figure itself out a little bit this is kind of the first year I think that we could look at the Steelers offense and legitimately say okay they shouldn't be at the bottom of the league. Like they ranked 26th in scoring last year. I feel like this is going to be his first year where he's going to get the actual chance to be to to be able to say like, hey, all right, we've got offensive line that we can depend on. We've got a run game that 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 has developed a little bit. We've got a quarterback that knows a little bit of the system now. He's he's developed a rapport with multiple receivers and 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 weapons that are, that are on the roster. There's things to work with here. And I've been saying all off season. I think the the barometer for Matt Canada needs to be this team needs to be a little bit above the stick, like the middle pack of the league because this is still a young offense. It's still going to take time for them to gel and come together. I don't think they're going to come out guns ablazing and drop like forty on the Niners in Week One or anything like that. But I do think that there's potential for growth. And here's what I want to ask you, Brian, and we'll keep answering this a little bit more in the second segment. What is the what is the mark where? If Matt, if the, if this Steelers offense is successful this year, is there a point where you're like where where they get to this year where reasonably and you say you know what Matt Canada's done enough that he should stay as offensive coordinator? The tricky thing about answering that is philosophically going back to when Canada was hired, even going back to some of his previous stops in the college ranks, he's never really been one of these offensive coordinators who talks up his system as we're going to put a ton of points up. We're going to break the scoreboard with how much we're, we're scoring. He's always been 
I think a, a, an offensive coordinator favored by defensive minded head coaches, because I think, and you know, you can go back to Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, mm-hmm. Coach O down in Baton Rouge, and you can go now to. Uh, to whoa, whoa, wait a second. That was a really good Coach O. Well, I spent a lot of time around our buddy uh, Tyler Batiste, who's no longer at the Post Gazette, but is the single biggest LSU sports fan I know, and of course, football being at the top of that list. So. That just came out of nowhere. You got more for me here. Um, no, that was it. I'm, I was in my bag for one quick off-the-cuff uh, coach, right. coach O mentioned. But. The last thing I expected on this show was you <laughs> just pulling out. Look, we're on the cup. We're on the brink of vacation here, Chris. I'm going to be off basically until training camp. So, I you, you have yeah. I don't even know really where my mind is at these days. But uh, yes, the point I was making, Mike Tomlin, another head coach who we know, I think wants to win. You know, he wants to win regardless, but he still very much believes in the old school ways of stopping the run, running the ball, and imposing your will on on other teams. I don't think there's any secret about that so Canada over the years I mean maybe it's just lip service because you have to think every play caller wants to throw for 500 yards and put 60 on the board but he's also been pretty consistent in his rhetoric that all that matters is we score more points than the other team so that can be ball control that can be field position battles at times that can be conservative offense. How many times have we used that word over the last couple of years with Canada's Steelers? So that to me is where I just wonder if statistically, is there a benchmark? I don't know. I know you're saying be above the middle of the pack of the NFL. You'll feel good about the direction they're going. I do wonder if when you talk about all the directives that have come from the top with the Steelers, Art Rooney II pounding the table year after year, Figuratively, of course, I don't think he uh, physically pounds the table. He seems much too <laughs> nice for that. But uh, over the years saying they need to run the ball better, you know, they, they need to rely on on that part of the game. Maybe it's just going to be tied to winning more than anything else. If, if this team can, you know, go on a run, get into the postseason, win a game, maybe even two, I uh, certainly think Canada would be viewed as a, as a success, even if it's a lot of heavy lifting by the defense. And kind of a throwback style of offense that doesn't ask Kenny Pickett to do too much. I want to talk more about what that's going to look like this year as far as the play calling and what to expect there. And also where we could be talking about what, you know, the kind of jump that we're expecting of the offense, what it takes historically to do something like that. We'll talk about more of that here in a second here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post because I'm Chris Carter. He's Brian Batko. But first, before we do any of that, I want to talk to you guys more about Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year round. You can schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. If you can't make your existing appointment, just reschedule it. But Anytime, call them at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have. Even if it's up to the last minute, you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football games, basketball games, baseball games, concerts, comedy, theater events, and more. And the game time best price guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets for the same event in the same section, 
section of the same row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference back. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and create an account by using code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an, create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Brian Batko. Brian, continuing what we're talking about here, the largest, the, the, the biggest jump as far as ranking in points scored for the Steelers in a single year, as far as ranking year, year one year after the other, was just a few years ago when they went ranked from 27th in 2019 to 12th in 2020. But there was an obvious factor as to why that was the case, because that was one year you had Mason Roth and Devin Hodges, the other year you had Ben Roethlisberger. And the offense was able to execute a lot more. But jumping up 15 spots, that is a huge amount of uh, that's a huge jump jump there as far as as far as scoring wise now one that was kind of a more natural growth that was happening without necessarily injuries being being a big factor was from 2013 to 2014 when they were ranked 16th in 2013 and then jumped up to being the seventh ranked offense in scoring uh in in 2014 partially because of the maturation of Le'Veon Bell Ben Roethlisberger getting used to his new weapons like Martavis Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown kind of becoming more of a prolific receiver for the Steelers that was a there was a lot that had to factor into that but what with with the with the Steelers weapons as they are what is a reasonable expectation that you think as far as a jump from ranking 26th in the NFL in offense last last year to wherever they might end up this year well, there actually are a little bit of uh, a little bit of a parallel between this and you know that jump that you mentioned from 2019 to 20. Yes, there's there's really no uh, way to replace going from a, a one guy who's out of football and another who's a, a third stringer to a future Hall of Famer. But in both of these cases, Mike Tomlin stayed the course with an offensive coordinator mm. who, if you just go by the numbers, a lot of people wanted him out. Yeah, they did. But. But, you know, with both Randy Feetner then and Matt Canada now, we know there were some extenuating circumstances at the quarterback position. Yes, you've got Kenny Pickett coming back this year, but that shouldn't really compare to a few weeks of journeyman Mitch Trubisky and a rookie Kenny Pickett seeing his very first action in the NFL and doing it against two of the better defenses that he'll probably ever face. So, I'm not giving Matt Canada a free pass. Like I said, I was surprised they even brought him back. But, you know, the other part of Judd's question that we, we didn't fit at the bottom there that, that kind of sparked this whole conversation was, does he have enough wrinkles in his offense? Do, do we think he has enough to kind of keep defenses off guard? I mean, I don't know about you, Chris. I've never looked at Matt Canada as a play caller who lacks creativity. I mean, I think in at least in the college game, that was sort of his calling card was, how creative he could be with different formations and right. shifts and motions. And sometimes, you know, I think Steelers fans, at least at this level, have almost gotten sick of all the shifts and the motions and the jet sweeps off of that. So, you know, there's there's obviously a balance that needs to be struck there, right? You, you need to have a sophisticated enough passing game to keep secondaries honest, but you also need to be able to throw in some of that eye candy that can get, you know, defenses shifting up front maybe – catch them off guard and, and hit a big one. 
that's going to be that's his whole job basically at at this point. You know, they've got Mike Sullivan in place to work with Kenny Pickett as the QB's coach. They've got other position coaches to work with the O line, the receivers, the tight ends, the backs. Canada has to have it all meld together this year. And you know, to go back to what we were talking about in the first segment and tie it in with what you asked me, what's reasonable to expect? I mean, I think you you should be in the top. Yeah, I'll, I'll say. 20 and maybe even as optimistic as you, Chris, the top half of the league. But it's just so tough right now with the, some of the high-flying offenses and obviously the level of quarterback play right now in the NFL is uh, is really impressive when you look at Mahomes and Burrow, Herbert, Allen. We'll see if Aaron Rodgers has anything left in the tank. We'll see if Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson bounce back within the Steelers' own division. Jalen Hurts it was was absolutely cruising along last season. So it's not going to be easy to get into that mix. And I'll just say right now, I, I think I think it would take a lot to get Matt Canada back here for a fourth year. Uh, maybe they will prove me wrong and he'll get the job done. And this offense will be clicking on all cylinders. They'll beat you any way you, you ask them to. But I just think that most realistic to me, looking at the personnel, looking at what they were able to do last season, Looking at the schedule, you know, though I think they'll improve, but I don't think it'll be enough to run it back yet again. I think they'll be in a place a year from now where we'll be talking about can some new play caller and coordinator get more out of the Kenny Pickett, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris core? Can somebody else take that group to the next level? I think that's a part of what you're talking about here, too, is, you know, a lot of people complain about the play calls from Matt Canada. I'm not so sure that that's the biggest problem that he faces. I think it's getting everyone to buy in on the play calls. I think it's getting the players to the, the players to understand where they're going to fit in and how to execute in different moments because that's very much part of being a coordinator. Todd Haley, you know, one of the biggest things I thought that he did for the Steelers was it wasn't necessarily the play calls that changed. It was forcing Ben Roethlisberger to get rid of the ball sooner, which helped prolong Ben Roethlisberger's career under Bruce Arians Ben Roethlisberger was taking sacks at a ridiculous rate that a lot of people thought was like man if he keeps this up for another like three or four years he might be done by the mid-2010s and Todd Haley came in and kind of changed the pace of the Steelers offense and that's part of coaching is getting into your quarterback and saying hey do do it do it this way I know that I know that you've operated this way for all your career and you've had success and all these other things but it's man, not a new job to be an offensive not. coordinator at this level. And, and that's why, I mean, you look around the league, he's one of the longest tenured ones at this point, just going into year three. Because, yeah, I mean, part of that is if you do a good job at it, you're going to get probably you're promoted going. and get a head job. But the other part right. is, you know, when heads have to roll in an organization because a team didn't have the success that people thought they would have or wanted to have, and it's not the head coach who goes, well, who do you think is going to go? So, um, you know, if you're if you're an offensive coordinator – in the NFL, even in you know in Pittsburgh, where coaching stability is is a priority, you better rent and not buy because you know coaches get fickle. I think players sometimes need you know new ideas and and new schemes to adjust to. That's a double edged sword because you got to relearn some things and get acclimated to a, a, a different set of uh, jargon and, and whatnot. But uh, it's just uh, it, I think it'd be very difficult for this offense to do enough to keep Matt Canada around. But again, that's uh, that's why you play the game. This is speculation season in the NFL. And maybe we'll be sitting here in October talking about how we were all wrong for doubting Matt Canada. And he's doing a great job. We will find out at a later date. 
<laughs> Certainly. There's a lot of things to, to to judge this year as far as what the Steelers are going to be doing with young players, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But one thing's for sure, Matt Canada, there's a lot of pressure on him to make it happen. We will f- see the first remnants of this in the tr- in training camp, which is now less than three weeks away as far as getting uh, getting things started there. And when we do, I think it all starts with the offensive line. How do the new guys fare? How do, how do they look? How does Broderick Jones fit in? Isaac Seomalo? How does this group run block? That'll set the tone because at the end of the day, like you said, if the Steelers are scoring more points than their opponents, I think people might ease up on the offense a little bit, even if they're still averaging, you know, somewhere around like 21 points per game. But granted, that'd still be better than uh, than last year because they averaged, I think it was, what, 18.1 points per game. And if you're averaging even just 22 points per game, you're above the halfway point of mark of the NFL last season. That would put you at 14th last year, just ahead of the Green Bay Packers. But Again, those are, those are a lot of questions that we'll be observing here at the Pittsburgh Post because as time moves on. Brian, thanks so much for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll be back in a minute here talking Pittsburgh Pirates on the, on, the, on the situation as we head into the weekend with them. Stick with us here in the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We'll be right back. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And we're now joined by Jason Mackey. He's in Pittsburgh. Well, Andrew Destin is doing his thing out in L.A. covering covering the Pirates and Dodgers series. But we're not going to talk about that. I want to talk about some other stuff that's going down because we got not only some moves that the Pirates are making, but the move that they're going to make this week in the MLB draft. We'll get to that because we've talked about that a lot. But, Jason, you tweeted out something earlier about some speculation that's been had because – a lot of Pirates fans are hoping for for a big ch- for more of the younger guys to play, and yep. when uh, and and we've seen Henry Davis got called up, but one of the big names, of course, is also Quinn Priester. And with Luis Ortiz being optioned down to Indianapolis, people are wondering if that means Priester's time is soon. You tweeted out your opinion on this, but you let our audience know what you see actually happening here. Yeah, I so I, I want to see Priester too. Believe me, he's an exciting young pitcher, one of my favorite people in the entire organization. But I don't think now is the right time. Okay. Uh, I don't think now is going to be the time where we see him. A more logical option, because Priester is scheduled to start tonight for Indianapolis, is probably Cam Aldred or going with the bullpen game. And I know that's not going to excite very many people, and I expect to see Quinn shortly after the All-Star break. For, for right now, it's probably Aldred, who's been very good. He was a left-handed reliever before, made one appearance last year. Fans have not seen him again. They may think I'm nuts by suggesting that his name, but I mean, he's lined up to start Sunday. It's probably the path of least resistance. If they could get mm. through with the bullpen game, maybe, but short starts by Ortiz, Osvaldo Bito, they've had to cover a lot of games out of the bullpen. They probably need a starter. And so Aldred's been good. ERA under four over his last eight games, really liked and have heard good things about him. So that's who I expect to see this weekend. I, I hear you on that one. So if you said Priester coming after the all, the all-star break, what what is that going to look like? Where does he fall in the rotation for the Pirates? And is he someone that stays there, or do they kind of move him around a little bit? Well, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts with them right now in the rotation, Chris, because of Luis Ortiz, because of Osvaldo Bito. Obviously, they sent Ortiz down. Um, you know, you could theoretically have thought maybe before last night about Romanzi Contreras jumping back in there. That ain't happening now, nor should it. I'm not sure Rowanzi Contreras should remain on the major league team. I think they have a decision to make there. But, you know, Priester could come up. They're going to give him a shot. I don't think it's going to be very, you know, it, we, it won't be long before we see him. And does he stick? It just depends on if he pitches well. 
If he pitches well, sure. There's nothing against it. They need to use whoever they can use to produce results. I think he has the stuff to do it. He's also been kind of up and down. He's been really dominant and then kind of has it get away from him. He's not quite the power pitcher that he used to be. Velo's down a little bit. Um, They're trying to have him pace a little bit more and work through his delivery. But, yeah, I mean, he can come up here and produce. I I don't think there's any question about the talent. I hear you on that. Keller and Priester uh, finally coming up. It's, it's kind of like this is something that we've been waiting on to see a, a, for a long time. So I get why Pirates fans are a little bit anxious on trying to see him. But yeah. I, I also hear your point entirely about, you know, just what what makes sense logistically, him, him in the starting rotation. You want him to come up fresh and not rush things as far as stuff. And like you said, also the all-star break literally after this Dodgers series finishes, you got what three games against the diamondbacks. And then you get that break in time to reassess. And then you could probably implement a plan that works for him so that you can ease him into the process. Yeah. I mean, I, I think inevitably they're going to force Priester to come up here maybe a little bit before he's ready. I don't think that's the worst thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, guys get promoted out of need all the time. It happened with Ortiz. It happened I think with Contreras or no, no, Contreras was a late season. Um, you know, he got a, a cup of coffee late, but Quinn will be fine. Quinn will absolutely be fine. I worry more, Chris, honestly, about their starting depth. I mean, they don't have enough rotation depth right now. Even if Quinn works out, you know, what do they have in Ortiz? What do they have in Beto? I know that's sort of a negative look at it, but there's not much behind Priester at this point. I like Solomedo. I like Kyle Nicholas. I like Jared Jones. I just don't necessarily like those guys, and that's four-fifths of the, the starting rotation in Indy. I don't know if I like those guys to come up and contribute to the major league team right now. They still need a little bit more time. So I just the injuries are really catching up to them, and that's something I and others have thought about You know, with this team, that you know the front line is fine, but how far can you go behind them? And I think we're starting to see that become a problem right now. Uh, it's certainly been a problem for them this year as injuries have stacked up in multiple ways against them. But uh, let's switch to talking about the MLB draft coming up this, this this weekend. The big topic that we have discussed multiple times on the show, we had you on Monday, we had Andrew on Wednesday. You guys did a show together as well. You know, you talked about the potential of the Pirates passing up on Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens and everyone's flipping out if it would be Max Clark. Give it, could you have any update as far as your perspective from your insights and the things that you've learned from the clubhouse and the organization, if that is still a possibility or a likelihood for the pirates with this draft? Yeah, it is. It, I don't know if I'd oh call boy. that an update, but oh um, nobody has been ruled out. Um, I, it's one of my worst fears as somebody who, you know, often you say, don't kill the messenger. Well, they try to kill me anyway. Um, but <laughs> You know, you're trying to explain things to them, and and I can't come up with a reason when you have Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens for why it would make sense to not take them. I can understand why you would say we're not going to go with Dylan Cruz and we're going to take the pitcher. And and I'm in that camp. Like, I think Mm -hmm. pitching is that valuable, and Paul Skeens is that unique. Like, that's who I want them to take. I think it makes the most sense. But, yes, I mean, they're very much talking to Max Clark, Walker Jenkins, Wyatt Langford, obviously Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens. Like, this is – this time, and I do think there could be a strategic element here, Chris, is when you start talking about what would you sign for? Would you sign for this? Well, if we get him for this, we can employ this strategy elsewhere. And in Major League Baseball, unlike other drafts, that does matter. You're trying to figure out how to spend all of your pool dollars. And, and people will call the Pirates cheap, and 
you they might be right about some other areas, but they're not being cheap here. It's a matter of how you use those dollars. And they're saying, well, we're not going to use them all on one player if they would do this. We're not going to use them all on one player. We're going to spread it around a little bit more. Granted, I disagree with that. I would rather them use it on one player because I think these guys warrant it. But I'm just saying that would be the thinking if they went that route. So just to be clear, this is more about a, a financial strategy than necessarily a skill strategy where they just think that Max Clark is or, or whoever they would pick that wouldn't be one of those two guys is that much better than me. Yeah, I mean, this that's tough to answer because it's not binary. I guess it might be one way I, I use that word. But I mean, here's what they're asking. Is mm-hmm. Max Clark for $7 million and then we take that other three. I'm using round numbers and I'm just making I got you. But, you know, is it worth it to take that $3 million that we save on Max Clark and go spend it on the second round pick? We can take a high school kid, sign him over slot, and take him away from a college commitment like they did with Salamedo, like they did with Bubba Chandler. I mean, there's something to be said for that strategy. It's not a dumb strategy. They pulled it off in 2021 with Henry Davis and deserve credit for it. But – if you're doing that, despite two guys at the top that, you know, Cruz and Skeens, I've had a lot of people this year tell me, Chris, like, it's not the year to get cute. It's not the time to try to be smarter than everybody else. Just take oh, the layup, man. Just take the layup. <laughs> if it's Cruz, if it's Skeens, just take it. Um, so that's, again, it, it depends on how you want to say, is this ability driven? Is this strategy driven? It's probably a little bit of both. I don't think they're saying we think Max Clark is a better player objectively than Dylan Cruz, but they're saying at that price, we would prefer Max. Again, if they go that route, I'm not saying they are. If you go that strategy, that's what you would be doing. Listen, y'all, if y'all have to bring out the pitchforks this weekend, don't send them Jason's way. He's not, he's just the one writing about it. Okay. Let me, let me, let me make one more point, Chris, and then I'll shut up on this topic. You're fine. We saw, we saw about Cruz, you know, all of a sudden he's not going to sign with the pirates. Like I have no doubt that that was strategic on the part of Cruz's camp to try to like generate some leverage And this very easily could be the same thing on the pirates part where they Mm. let everybody know. And I'm telling like what I'm getting and why I'm saying this is not just from the Pirates. Like, it's from scouts. It's from coaches. I got you. From, you know, so they could be letting everybody know, hey, we're not married to taking Cruz or Skeens. We don't We don't have to do that. You know, we'll take a high school kid. We don't care. You know, you better not come in with a $10.5 million bonus ask. You know, we'll take anybody. So it could be strategic, too. So it could be just more of a leverage move for yes. when the time comes, just being able to sign them for the number that they want rather than a number that 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 would be over the over there. Okay, well we'll see how it plays out here. Jason's been on the case for a quite for quite some time, breaking it down for us. Get all of his content at post-gazette.com, as well as Andrew's work as he's covering uh, the games out in the West Coast, finishing up the Dodgers series, and then finishing up with the Diamondbacks before the All Star break. Jason, thanks again for joining us. Thanks again to Brian Batko for joining us as well and thank you all for joining us here in the north shore drive podcast it's been another friday episode i'm your host chris carter get all of our work at post-gazette.com get this show monday wednesday friday on the post gazette's podcasting apps i don't throw all your podcasting apps and on youtube we'll be back monday with another episode breaking things down and seeing what happened with the draft right here on the north shore drive podcast thanks for tuning in to another episode of the north shore drive podcast of the pittsburgh post gazette If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. 